wonder what the situation is. God has done. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true. Every sickness, every disease, every doctor's report, economic report, bank report, overdraft, mortgage, whatever it is, they are all what? Lies. Let God be true and every man a liar. He has done all things well in your life. He has done all things well. Concerning your children, he has done all things well. He has future. He has done, but concerning your lineage, he has done all things well. So this one, I want us to give him quality times. I say, Father, concerning my life, concerning my family, my children, their future, my great, 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 great grandchildren, you have done all things well. You have done all things well. Will you lift up your voice and talk to him right now? Thank you, you have done all things well. Father, you have done all things well. Concerning this ministry, first Presbyterian Church of everything, you have done all things well. In the life of everyone in this ministry, from the head pastor to the least among them, you've done all things well. You have done all things well. You have done all things well. For sustaining this church, your good hand upon this church, for keeping them together as a church, for not allowing the enemy to scatter them. Oh, Father, we have come to declare that you have done all things well. Concerning this ministry, you have done all things well. Concerning this church, you have done all things well. We have come, we have sent this day aside to praise you, to tell the Father. You've done all things well. You've done all things well. You've done all things well. We thank you, Father. From the depth of our hearts, we declare, Father, you've done all things well. Thank you and thank you. In Jesus' precious name, we'll give it thanks. Hallelujah. One more time, I want to thank the leadership. I want to thank um, Reverend Dennis Kennedy and his team for having me come again. To give a word of exhortation. Hallelujah. May God continue to bless the leadership. May God continue to encourage them to give them the wisdom and the foresight to keep moving and advancing the kingdom of God through this ministry. Hallelujah. We are grateful to be here one more time. Put your hands together for the Lord and please take your seat. Hallelujah. Well, this, this is your 30th. Thanksgiving anniversary, hallelujah. So tomorrow, you guys will be here to offer thanks unto the Lord, not just by way of mouth, but also by way of giving, hallelujah. Giving to, to continue to advance the kingdom of God. Giving to, for the gospel to spread, hallelujah. So what I'm going to do is just, I'm going to stay most of my time here with the scripture that you guys have given me in 1 Chronicles 29. Hallelujah. Amen. But before we go there, I want, to, I want you to understand one thing, the power of thanksgiving. The mystery of thanksgiving. Now, each time we say thanksgiving, I want you to understand that it includes the word praise. It includes the word worship, 
Some will say adoration, whichever we want to put it all put together is one package. Praise, worship, thanksgiving. They are all in the same class. Hallelujah. Now, I want to draw your attention to one fact. And the reason why most Christians don't have a heart of gratitude. The reason why most Christians cannot worship properly. The reason why most Christians cannot thank God. They don't know how to appreciate God. They don't know how to thank Him. They find it difficult to do it. They say, let's thank God. And they, at, at least the average Christian can only spend about three minutes thanking God. After that, they are out of words. They are out of what? They are out of words. The average Christian cannot sing about five different songs of worship unto the Lord. But the same average Christian can go out and sing all the secular songs and have all the dance moves, the latest dance, all kinds of things. And you are wondering why. Because they don't know. They don't understand what it means to worship God. They don't understand what it means to praise God. They don't understand what it means to give God thanks. And because of that, the presence of God has been lacking in our lives the way we ought to be saturated, we ought to be overflowing with His presence. But it is only possible through thanksgiving, through worship, through prayer. This, this is the easiest way to invoke His majesty. Hallelujah. Thanksgiving, praise, and worship is the easiest way to invoke the majesty of God. If you want to witness His Shekinah glory, you have to give yourself to these things. You have to do it willingly. You have to, it has to flow out of you with no hindrance, no holding back. Hallelujah. Amen. Now I want to give you a brief history of the word praise, thanksgiving, worship. In fact, there, there was a guy. He was an archangel. His name was Lucifer. His name was who? Lucifer. He was in charge of praise. And I believe he was in charge of worship. He was in charge of thanksgiving. He was the custodian of God's praises. He was the custodian of what? God's praises. He was the custodian of thanksgiving. He was the embodiment of music. He was created musical. We don't have time to go, but if you look at the book of Ezekiel and uh, uh, Isaiah, you will see the scripture says he was perfect in beauty. In fact, as a matter of fact, I am thinking, this is my own opinion, that, that there is no creature that God has ever created that is as beautiful as Lucifer. So that, that is why, even in his fallen state, now we call him Satan the devil. He oppressed through women and men that are handsome, physically looking. Because that is his nature. He was created, the scripture said, perfect in beauty. Yeah. According to the book of Ezekiel, he was perfect in what? Beauty. He was a masterpiece when it comes to creation. When it comes to beauty, he was a what? A masterpiece. But that was the reason God did that was for him to usher praises. That out of him will flow praises. Out of him will flow thanksgiving. Out of him will flow worship. Out of him, the angelic host, the spiritual beings will worship the Father. 
And one day, this is my own opinion of one day, out of his own will, out of his free will, he said, enough is enough. He said, in the realm of the spiritists are permanent. So I believe Satan told this to himself. If we were given a will, if angels has a will to decide, man, nobody will worship God, nobody will sing praises to God. So in Isaiah chapter 14, he started saying this to himself. He said, ah, he said, he said it in his heart that I will be like the most high. So the reason why he wanted to be like God, he wanted to exalt his throne above God was to receive praise like God, to receive worship like God, to receive thanksgiving like God. That is how he lost his position. That is how he lost his position. The, the, this is what I, this even this means iniquity was found in him because he wanted the praise of God. He wanted to receive praises. He wanted to be worshipped by God. Remember that he was the custodian of praise. He was the custodian of worship. So that is why you see secular music seems to be making it. That is why somebody will come and just dance naked and then the whole world will go after them. And then someone will come and deliver a gospel song with so much anointing and yet the song is struggling to get traction because the devil still have the ability to influence music and worship here on earth. He is still legally, the, if I technically, he is still the God of this world, but not legally. I agree. Legally, Jesus dethroned him. And gave us the authority to deal with him until his time is over, he'll be cast into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. So, because the devil desired these things, he desired praise, he desired worship, he desired thanksgiving, he lost his place. In the world, he lost his place. That's how the devil lost his place. His place. The scripture said that the Lord, the Lord said in the book of Isaiah, he said his glory he will not share with any other man. And that is something that God will not. So that was the reason why we were created. Now, I believe when the devil challenged God on the basis of the will, God created a race that you are and gave us a will that this creation will have a will, will have a choice, and they will decide whether they want to praise me or not. And then he completed the because they, remember that in Revelation chapter 12, we are told that the scripture said, What the habitants of the earth for the devil is come down, having a great wrath. So you will notice that there were some beings here before we were created. When the devil and his enemies came down, one third of the enemies in heaven came down with him. One third. So the earth became void, the earth became dark. So God has to speak, and God said, let there be light, and light came. Then the garden of Eden was created, and God created an Adam and Eve, and God gave Adam a will, a choice. Hallelujah. Amen. God gave Adam a what? A will. God gave him a choice. You will choose to serve me, you will choose to worship me, you will choose to praise me, or you will choose to do whatever you want to do. Unfortunately, the devil came in because he, knowing that this particular creature has been given a will, 
has been given a choice, he came with that temptation. Then God said, You should not eat of any fruit that might yield to the will of the devil. And that man lost his place. That Jesus came as a man to redeem man from his state of sin. If Jesus came here on earth as a man, if Jesus came as God, it would be in violation of divine principle. Because God could not come down and save man. Man needed to save, to pay the price of sin. The soul accident must die. Are you getting it? So Jesus came as a man. He took the form of a man like you and I. We are told in Hebrews he was a man having the same passion like you and I. Right. The difference is that he came with a prepared body. When Jesus came, when he was born, the umbilical cord, his umbilical cord was not connected to Mary. If not, Jesus would be partakers of the fallen nature of man, like you and I. And that would have disqualified him from saving you and I. Amen. That is why he could not call Mary the mother. He said, they won't marry that woman. Did you notice that? Yes. There was no complicated connection. There was no complicated connection. Where I would say my mom, my dad, because of the complicated connection, children and natural connected to their mom, you didn't see that with Jesus and Mary. At age 12, when he was in the temple, Busy, you know, preparing for his ministry, and they were looking for him for three days, three, three nights. When they saw him, he said, Shouldn't I be about with my father's business? He said, well, I mean, He said so many things that you hope, Mary. Mary was wondering, Is he not my son? She didn't know. There was no connection. There was no connection, but he was 100% man. He was 100% man. So that is why in the garden of Gethsemane, watch the prayer Jesus prayed. He said, Father, if it is possible, let this car pass over me. First, he said, it. second, he said, it. the third one, he said, not my will. You see that word there? That word there? <laughs> you need to say it that way. He said, not my will. Not my will. Not my will. So if Jesus came as a man, as God, he wouldn't pray that prayer. Because I believe that was the basis why the devil challenged God in heaven. That if there is a will, angels will not worship God. If there is a will, they will not bow to you. They won't praise you. We are like robots. So Jesus came. And then Jesus, at the moment of redeeming man, the flesh stood against the agenda of God. So he prayed once, prayed second time, third time he yielded. He said, Not my will, but your will be done. That is, I am aligning my will with your will. Are you getting it? I'm doing what? I'm aligning my will with your will. And then the plan of salvation was consummated. That is how man was redeemed. From his sin. Because man paid the penalty of sin. And we are doing the book of Hebrews that Jesus tasted death for every man. He went to hell for you and I. Right. Are you getting it? 
so that you will not go there. Man, a man tasted hell. He tasted hell. Jesus is the only man that died and came back. He tasted death. He went to hell for you and I. So that is what we preach the gospel. Why do you preach the gospel? We preach the gospel to tell men and women that Jesus has already gone to hell on your behalf. He took your place in hell. Don't end up in hell. He took your place there. Don't go there. Hallelujah. That's the reason why we preach the gospel. So when people come to church, our duty is to tell them Jesus went to hell on your behalf. Don't go there. That place, there's no point of repentance. It is everlasting. It is ever, it was better you were not born. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So the will of a man, I believe, became the central focus of the new creation. Because when God created the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden was not everywhere. It was just a particular location. I didn't it. It was a particular location. Because God wanted to put the will of a man to display. God gave this new creation a will, a will to choose whether to serve him or not to serve him. And then we are told, we are told in First uh, Peter chapter 2 verse 9 to understand all of this. He said, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, created to show forth. Did you see that? So the essence of your creation what? To show forth his praises. The essence of your being is to give him thanks continuously. The essence of your being is to worship him continuously. It is the reason why you were created. Any other way to find out why you were created, you, it, it will end you in a struggle and in defeat. I agree it. You were created to praise. You were created to thank God. You were created to worship him. That is the essence. That is the reason for your creation. That's the reason for your creation. That's the reason for your creation. And until you understand the essence of it, the purpose of it, you will misuse it. Are you getting it? What we call drug abuse is an abnormal way of using drugs. Is that not it? Now people still take drugs. Do you call drug abuse? If a medical doctor prescribes you drugs, do you not say it is drug abuse? Are you not taking it? You are taking it. But without having a correct understanding of the purpose of the particular drug you are using, becomes what? Drug abuse. So most men and women are abusing their existence. Even Christians are abusing their existence. The reason why they were created there is not being fulfilled. So they come to church, they are so cold, there's nothing moving them, nothing about God's right there. That is an abuse of destiny. It's an abuse of what? Destiny. They say, praise the Lord. It's an abuse of destiny. Let's thank God. They are past our And these same people will talk to the first seven on the phone. Now they come to church, they can't open their mouth to express their appreciation. They can't thank God. For his goodness, they can't thank God for who he is. It is an abuse of destiny. It is an abuse of what? Destiny. It's an abuse of destiny. If you don't know how to thank God, you are abusing your destiny. 
If you don't know how to praise God, you are abusing your destiny. If you don't know how to give him thanks, you are abusing your destiny. And all those who are doing drug abuse, what happens to them? They arrest them, they jail them. Is that not it? Do you want to be jailed? Do you want to be arrested by the forces of darkness? So if you are abusing your destiny, demons will come after you. Because you are a lukewarm Christian. There is no fire in you. That is, and that is why the money forces have gained entrance into the lives of so many Christians. The, the fire of God is missing because they are abusing their existence. The purpose for which they were created, they are not fulfilling it. The reason for their existence, they are not fulfilling it. You are not here to go to work, buy, mansion, do all kinds of things. Your existence, the first, the most important reason why God created you is to worship Him. To praise him, to give him thanks. Because you know what? When the devil challenged God in heaven, God decided to put that challenge into a test. I will create a being that will worship me freely. I will create a being that will praise me freely. That is what the devil is challenged. When you are coming to church, he, he pays you so much. Because you have taken his place. You have what? You have taken his place. He was, he was the only angel closer to God, to the throne. He was the only angel closer to the throne because of the assignment, because of what God created him to do. Now, God has moved him from that and gave you that position. You and I, we have been called to replace the devil. So the position that he took, we are not occupying that position and the devil is so mad. That is why he hates you to, he doesn't want you to be praising God. He doesn't want you to be thankful. He doesn't want you to give him thanks. He doesn't want you to worship because he understands the power that is in these things. He has so much anointing because of the worship that he was doing. He has so much power because of the worship that he was doing. And he was the most perfect in beauty. You see, one of the things you have to understand is that when you engage in praise and thanksgiving and worship, there's a divine beauty that runs on you. There's a divine what? Beauty. And all this, you know, latest hairstyle, latest makeup, all kinds of things, believe me, there's a divine makeup, a divine hairstyle, a divine look that will come on you when you give yourself to worship, when you give yourself to praise, when you give yourself to Hallelujah. 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 So tomorrow when you come and they say, let's thank God for 30 years. We are not saying two years old. 30 good years of the faithfulness of God in this ministry. That's not the time to be standing for their hands. You say the word when you tell the boy, you are missing your life. You are destiny. Destiny abuse. And demons are looking for such to torment them. Remember King Saul? <laughs> when the man of God left him, because he has abused his destiny, demons came and started commenting him. You know what happened? David came and played. As David began to play worship, the evil spirit departed from him. Did you see that? There's so much power in worship. There's so much power in praise. There's so much power in thanksgiving. If the church will exercise themselves enough, 
if we will exercise enough time in worshiping and thanking God and praising Him, there will be so much power that the world will bow to us. But sinners will come to the saving knowledge of Christ without even talking much. So many people we are trying to get them to come to church, they don't see anything different between them and us. Hallelujah. Amen. There's no way you walk with power that men will not trouble before you. If you want to see God at work in your life, these three things is a must. It is you can't negotiate your way out. <laughs> Lord, I want to give you five minutes. No, there's <laughs> listen. God is no more. Whatever a man so that is what he will read. You give him five minutes, you get five minutes back. <laughs> I get it. You give him five minutes, you get five minutes blessings. And we are told, you know, because we are in America, God doesn't understand America. He doesn't understand American system. Are <laughs> you me? He knew America will be like this long time before he had money to come. And he knew you are going to be here. So don't tell me you have to just you have to wake up, you have to do this, you don't have time. Those are not legitimate excuses. They are not legitimate excuses. Praise the Lord. Now, one of the reasons, another reason why men are not able to worship God is this. Most of the times we we look at our achievement and then we think God has nothing to do with it. Is it in Luke chapter 12? There is a man called the rich fool. How many of you know that story? The rich fool. What was the sin of that man? What was the sin he committed? He always said, My friend has cheated so much. I have so much crops. My bones are full. I will say to my soul, Oh, relax and rejoice. Eat and be merry. And God said, Oh, damn fool. Said anything evil. He then said, Oh, God, I got a new job, new race, a higher race, a high paying job, good benefits. You know, I don't have to be driving through the traffic, I'm working from home. He then like saying that, and God said, Ah, he said, You fool. He said, You fool. He said, Your soul is required of thee. And let's see who is going to enjoy these things. But if you if you if you continue to read that story, Jesus made a statement. He says, So is he that lays up treasures here on earth, but is not rich towards God. Did you notice that? He says, So is he that man that is laying up treasures here on earth, but not rich towards God. And then he made another statement in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, 21. Let's open our Bible to Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, let your amen be loud. Let your amen be loud. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read verse 19 to 21. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. Lay not out for yourselves treasures upon earth, where much and rascal cut, where thieves break through and steal. But lay out for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither much nor rascal corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. 
For where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. Now, when, when I was growing up, I was always telling this scripture upside down. This is what I say, where your treasure is, I say, where your heart is, there your treasure should be. But I went back and said it again. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. This is difficult. In other words, where your money is, that is where your heart will be. Are you getting it? Uh If you have some gold in your house, they say in your house, inside that house, your heart is connected to the same room than any other room. That is where your heart is. That is your treasure is there, is there, is there. Most of the times, the reason why we find hard, we find it difficult to, to worship, to thank God, to praise Him, is because our treasures, that has to do with our money, is not at the right place. It's not at the right place. I'm going to show you why, what the treasure in here really means. In Psalm 16, let's go to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. It's one of my favorite Psalms. Psalms chapter 16. Watch the statement that the psalmist made here. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 5, Psalm 16, verse 5. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my heart, Lord. Who is your portion? Who is the portion of your inheritance? The Lord. Is that not true? What is inheritance naturally? Inheritance meaning blessings. Somebody living with enough money in the bank, a house, businesses, corporations, companies, cars, call it inheritance, material things. The psalmist said, as for me, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance. I inherited God. I inherited the Father. Hallelujah. So here the psalmist says that the Father is his treasure. Did you see that? Where your treasure is, then your heart will be. Because I'm linking it to First Chronicles 29, your, your team, the scripture that you are missing. And you will see, you will see the connection there. David is saying by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he said, the Lord is my inheritance. The Lord is my treasure. So the reason why the rich fool was disqualified from enjoying the blessings that his life yielded was that it was not God that was his main priority. His main priority was to satisfy his flesh, but not the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, so is every man that is rich in this world, but not towards God. Lay up treasures in heaven. Lay up treasures in heaven. Hallelujah. Let's look at another scripture in Another scripture, let me see, uh, Deuteronomy 32, Deuteronomy 32, verse 9. 
Hallelujah. Amen. The Trinity chapter 2 verse 9. Look at what the scripture said here. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let me start from verse 7 going. Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, as thy father, and he will show thee, thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the most are divided the nations, their inheritance. Now watch here. So when the earth was created and men began to multiply, God divided nations their inheritance. Is that not it? Every nation. So the Middle East, they got oil as inheritance. The Middle East got what? Oil. A country like Ghana, we got what? Gold. We got oil, gold, and we have a little bit of diamond. And cocoa. Every nation got their inheritance. He said, when the Lord divided what? To the nations, their inheritance. When he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, and Jacob, and Jacob is the Lord of his inheritance. So when he came to Jacob, God now to Jacob as his own. Instead of giving Jacob an inheritance on the earth, Jacob became the Lord's inheritance. The Lord became Jacob's inheritance. Did you see that? Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Jacob became what? The Lord's inheritance. The Lord became Jacob's what? Inheritance. So you are God's inheritance. Amen. Say with me, I am God's inheritance. Say with me, I am God's inheritance. Can you imagine you? God inherited, inherited you. Uh, can you come up and think? Does it make sense? Yeah. Now, just, just do some thinking. <laughs> in this your state, in this your perfect state, not just the word perfect state, that God inherited you. Can you imagine? It's not a paradox. God inherited a wretch like us. God inherited nonsense like us. God inherited who? Jacob. Jacob a liar. Jacob who deceived his father. Okay, look at, look at the name of Jacob. Yeah, God inherited him. God chose him as his own. Man, he's divided the nations among the sons of men, the sons of Adams. He said, as for you, Jacob, you are mine. You are mine. You are mine. You are that inheritance was more than any other inheritance. That is why up to today, naturally, anywhere, in any nation, where you find the Jewish people, they rule that place. People don't understand why. Do you know they control America? If, if, if the Jewish people withdraw from America, that is, if you see them in America, go to Ghana. <laughs> I'm telling the truth. The day you will see them, man, they pack in their bags and leave it. Start leaving. If you are in the neighborhood where you see them moving out, start moving. God is no longer there. Mm -hmm. I'm telling the truth. Mm -hmm. I'm telling the truth. 
When they started leaving Germany, most people couldn't understand. When they started withdrawing from Europe, most people couldn't understand. And you saw what happened. God inherited them naturally. Now we, we but by spiritual connection and by the free work of Jesus Christ, we are the two sons of Jacob. We are the spirit of Jesus. Hallelujah. So if naturally God inherited them and they have been blessed, so he matches our spiritual inheritance. So that is what David said confidently in Psalm 16. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance. That means that the Lord becomes your treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Hallelujah. Amen. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So if the Lord is your treasure, your heart will be there. Listen So if you understand that God is your treasure, not your small dollar, your heart will not be there. So most people are working hard. They have not come for God. They, they are, they are killing themselves, going out and down. They are not rich towards God. They are like the rich fool. Hey. They are like the rich fool. It's true. But for you and I, God has inherited us. Yes. And we have inherited God. Hallelujah. Yes. We have inherited who? God. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance. Amen. With this understanding, when tomorrow they say, now let's bring our harvest, our harvest offering, you have no problem giving God your best. You have, you have no struggle. Because that is not your treasure. The dollar is not your treasure. Are you getting me? The money is not your treasure. God is your treasure. Where your treasure is, your heart will be there. Hallelujah. And since you are going to be here tomorrow, Sunday, for this harvest, you are coming in with your best. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. There should be a struggle tomorrow no. when you are taking offering. It's 30 years of God's faithfulness. 30 years of the hand of God upon this ministry. Yes. There should be a struggle tomorrow. There should be what? A struggle tomorrow. Hallelujah. Now let's go to First Corinthians 29. First Chronicles 29. I'm going to read verse 1 to 30, and I'll stay there a little bit. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the God. Furthermore, David the king said unto them, unto all the congregation, Solomon my servant, or my son, whom may not God has chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord. What you are coming to do tomorrow is not for man, it's for the work of God. Are you getting me? The harvest tomorrow is for the work of God, the advancement of the kingdom to promote his kingdom. Now, look, all the religions, look, listen, I'm so I'm scared for so many Christians. You go to so many places, marches are rising up with, 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 with no struggle, no stress. Billions of dollars are pumped into building demonic storehouses mm. across America. Mm. Church buildings are collapsing. Mm. Men of God are not being taken care of. Mm. No latest technology. Things are just getting so bad in the church. Yet the demonic men, these men that are dead, trust dead, according to the book of Jude. 
Then number one, two, three, try dead. Yet they are able to give financially for the cause of the temple. Hindu temples are rising up everywhere. That they are even now building a, a mosque where the two towers. They are proposing a mosque where the two towers are. Used to be. Why are they doing that? Men who are dead have no value for the dollar that they end. That they will break it to promote their evil agenda. You, the one that has inherited God, and God has inherited you, you now struggle to give God your dollar. You struggle to give God money. You struggle to sacrifice to God. You struggle to give to the work of God. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame, and the church has to wake up. I know so many pastors have used giving to deceive and to cheat and to lie. But let me tell you, it is one principle that can prove your sincerity of love. No matter you claim you love God, it is your giving that validates it. If you love it with your mouth and it is not reflected in your giving, you are an hypocrite. So let's see what David said here. So David went on to say to verse 2, Now I have prepared him with all my might. Look at David. He said, Now I have prepared with what? With all my might for the house of God. He said, For the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold, the silver for things of silver, the brass for things of brass, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, thousand stones. And stones to be set, grisly stones, and of darkest colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. One man. He said, Whatever you need God for, he said, I have prepared with all my might. And now you, you started last Thursday, you started your prayers and fasting last Thursday. And so you have been preparing tomorrow. Come and show your might. Come and do what? Show your might. If you have God, bring it. If you have Jewish, bring whatever you will bring for the advancement of God's kingdom, bring it. Look at David here, setting an example for us. Things for gold, things for wood, things for silver, every kind of things he brought it. He said, I has prepared with all his might. With all his might. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, verse, verse uh, um, 4. Even 3,000 talents of gold. 300,000, Lord, no, yeah, 3,000, even 3,000 talents of gold. And he, because of that, I won't be able to go through all of that. But look at verse 6. It says, Then the chief, the chief of the father, the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel, and the captains of thousands and of hundreds, with the rulers of the king's work, offered willingly. Did you see that? The offered what? The offered what? Was there any pressure on them? No. Did someone have to pursue them? They offered willingly. Why? Because God is their inheritance. Did you see that? They offered willingly because God is their inheritance. God inherited them in those inherited God. Now, you will notice something here. Verse. Let's, let's jump from verse, 
Masquerade, let's go to Masquerade. The best time. Then the people rejoiced, for that they offered willingly. Because with perfect heart, they offered willingly to the Lord. And David, the king, also rejoiced with great joy. Did you see that? They offered what? Willingly. You see, thanksgiving, praise, and worship is incomplete if your dollar is not added. Are you happy? It's incomplete. These things were created for worship. Money can be used as a tool of worship. So that's why when we come to church, we take offerings. It's part of the worship. Let's worship God with our offerings. Let's worship God with our time. It's part. It is not somebody sitting there to engineer something for to make to become rich. I know so many pastors are doing that, but that's the wrong motive. It is part of your worship, and it is part of the advancement of God's kingdom to keep the kingdom spreading. It is through this we can send missionary out there. We can send some people to some nations. They can be there for one year to preach the gospel, to advance the gospel. You don't know what people gave for you and I to receive the gospel. I believe there was an old man somewhere that sold his house for the gospel to be preached to my country. country. I believe there was somebody somewhere that gave his car, that sold his car for the gospel to be preached in another nation. People sacrifice their homes, savings, life savings. They brought things for the advancement of God's kingdom. We are told in Acts chapter 3, he said, and they sold all that they had, lands, houses, and they came and they laid it before the apostles' feet. Well, I said to God, sell your house. Amen. I'm blessed, come with an offering acceptable unto God. Amen. Don't come with a blind offering. You know, there's something called a blind offering in Malachi. There's something called a that is an offering that is not befitting. Are you me? So I believe that tomorrow is the highest order of giving in this business. So, so you are making one fifty thousand, and then you are coming tomorrow with an offering of two hundred. That is a blind offering. That's a what a blind offering. It's not accepted. It's not accepted. It's a black offering. In fact, before I can check this, all that David gave, as of 2019, the gold, the silver, everything, as of 2019, I the dollar value was almost 20 billion dollars. It was almost what? 20 billion dollars that David gave for the building of the house of God. 21 man. Gave almost 20 billion. One man gave almost 20 billion. He set an example for the people. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's continue the reading. Verse 11. Verse 11. Verse 10. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be the Lord God. Of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thou, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and all that is in the earth is yours. 
Did you see that? Did you see verse 11 again? For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is what? Yours. Including yours, your daughter. That's right. What is asking you to give to God? The money is asking you to come and give. The offering is asking you to give to God. The harvest is asking you to do. He said it belongs to him. Remember, he inherited you. Are you getting He inherited you. So your giving, your dollar, your house, everything belongs to him. He said in another place, he said, the gold is mine. The silver is mine. Those days, the gold was their money, their currency. Now, you remove the gold, put the dollar there. All the dollars, they are mine. <laughs> Hallelujah. It belongs to him. Praise the Lord. And then he went on to say this verse, verse 12, and 12 to 13. Both riches and honor come out of thee, or out of thee, and thou reign over all. In the hand is power and might, and in the hand it is to make great, and to give strength unto all. Now therefore our God we thank thee. And what? And praise the glorious name. Now therefore, our God. After they brought in the offerings, they brought in the gold, they brought in the wood, all the things from the house of God. They said, now, you see Thanksgiving coming in. Now therefore, now therefore. So you see, in most cases, Thanksgiving praise and worship is incomplete until the gold is in place, the wood is in place, the silver is in place, then it will be complete thanksgiving. Now therefore, we thank thee. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Verse 14, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this one, for all things come out of thee. And of their own have we given thee. He said, What we are bringing tomorrow is from you. You gave it to us, we are bringing it back to you. We gave it, you gave it to us, we are bringing it back to you. Don't be like children. You give them something, he said, Give it to me now. <laughs> or they give you something in the next week, they are taking it back. Amen. He said, All that we brought to you, you gave it to us in the first place. And we have brought it back to you to worship you, to praise your name. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So what you are bringing tomorrow is to do what? To praise his name. Amen. To praise his name. I, I want to read one. I think I skipped one verse that I needed to Thank you, Jesus. Verse 3, go back to verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 29, verse 3. Moreover, because I have sent my passion to the house of my God, I am of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for that holy house. Did you see that? Because of what? Because I have sent my affection to the house of my God. How could David do that? 
He understood that the Lord inherited him. And the Lord is his own inheritance. So coming to the house of God, you said, I have said because I have set my affection. I have set my affection. I have set my affection upon the heart of God. I want to see the kingdom flourish. I want to see the kingdom advance. I have of my own self prepared all these things. Hallelujah. Amen. Now there is a statement that he made which I want to pick it up here. Verse 5. He said, The gold for tears of gold, the silver for tears of silver, and all manner of work to be made by the hands of artifacts. And who then, say with me, who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Oh, let's read together loud and clear. Who then is willing to consecrate? He service this day unto the Lord. It was a challenge David threw against them or on them. I have prepared with all my heart because of my love for the house of God. Because I want to see the, the advancement of God's kingdom. I want to see the house of God built. I have offered over 20 billion dollars. Who then is willing to consecrate himself to the things of God? To the house of God. So the question I am throwing before you today, who then among you is willing tomorrow? Who is willing tomorrow? Who is willing tomorrow to consecrate his finances to God tomorrow? For the house of God. Who is willing? Who is willing? Who is willing? Who is willing? Hallelujah. It's the question David asked them. When he asked them, what happened? Verse 6, he said, the people came offered what? Willingly. Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's were offered what? Willingly. Are you coming to pray to offer willingly? Yes. Are you coming to offer willingly? Yes. I see your yes is
to bring it, bring it, bring it. To drain in the water. Yeah, bring, bring, bring it, bring, bring that, bring, bring your Bible here. Hallelujah. Yeah, bring the, the Bible. Oh. Hallelujah. That's the question I want to be with you. Thank you, Jesus. New International Version. <laughs> now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? It says, New Living Translation. Who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Listen that. Who will follow my example? That's the question David is asking us today. He said, Who will follow my example? Most people think David was he was a man after God's heart. In his days, he gave more than any other man. David was a worshiper. Ten times he was in the church. Three times to pray. Seven times to thank God, to worship, to sing praises unto him, to honor God with his wives. But we are told David gave nearly $20 billion for the house of God. That completed David's worship. Who among us is willing? Who else is willing? Who wants to follow David's example tomorrow? Who wants to give to the house of God tomorrow? Who wants to sacrifice tomorrow? When the scripture said, lay out treasures, work things and armaments cannot reach, you know what it means? Your giving, your offerings, your tithes and offerings, your sacrifices are treasures that I laid out in heaven for you. In fact, make no mistake, there are classes in heaven. There are first class, second class, third class, lower class, and basements in heaven. I'm telling the truth. The scripture says, the rich man and the Lazarus, the rich man died and went to hell. Lazarus died, he went to heaven, but stayed in Abraham's Bosoming Abraham's basement. He didn't have a place of his own. He stayed with Abraham. What? He never gave anything for the advancement of God's kingdom. He was not a giver. So your mansion determines how much you give here. Yes. Your task and office, your sacrifice will determine your mansions in heaven. They will determine how much God will do in heaven for you. Whatever you give here, they are materials, raw materials used in heaven to do your mansions. I'll tell you the truth. Yes. Your cash and offerings, your sacrifices are raw materials. So tomorrow, as you are coming to give, give your angels, the angels that are constructing your mansions, give them the opportunity to give you a bigger one. If you want to live in a, a basement, come with two hundred dollars. I'm telling you the truth. Hallelujah. Amen. So that's why he told them in that same place. He told them, lay out treasures. Heaven. Are you getting it? Those are the true treasures. No armor can reach it. I mean, houses that were celebrated years before and out of fashion. 
highlighting they are out of fashion. The two of them are ready to pull down, but not the ones in heaven. They will never go out of fashion. They are still the same, ever fresh, ever you know fashionable. Hallelujah. So who then is with it? Who wants to follow this example? Your giving is part of your worship. Your giving is part of your worship. Your sacrifices are part of your worship. It's part of your thanksgiving. It's part of your praises. Don't separate the two. If you separate the two, your heart will not be there. If you separate the two, your heart will not be there. The reason why we have not you see, some people can come home, spend the whole day watching movies, go to bed around 3 a.m. And then they have to go to bed by 7 a.m. and they will still make it. Why? That is where their treasures are. So the body has no issue. They, they will drink coffee, whatever it is, to keep themselves alive. So you don't lose that bad day. Is that not it? It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. God is your treasure. Is your inheritance. As you are coming to God, you know this is your this is your life. This is your inheritance. So your heart will be there. Whatever you bring, you are bringing it for yourself. Whatever you are going to give tomorrow, you are giving for yourself. Don't stop having this mentality that you are giving to man. You are not giving to man. You are giving to yourself. Because God is your inheritance. So if you are giving to God and God is your inheritance, you are giving to yourself. And he said, lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven. That's what he said. Lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven. Finally, I want to leave you with this. I have two more scriptures, but maybe we'll just do one more. Second Corinthians. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians eight seven to eight. Second Corinthians eight seven to eight. It says, "Therefore, as ye are born in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us." See that ye are born in this grace also. The new translation put it this way. It says, see that ye are born in this giving grace or this grace of giving. Now, the church of Corinthians was one unique church. Very interesting church. All the gifts of the Spirit manifested in that church, yet they were very carnal. <laughs> they were very carnal. And the Paul is saying here that they have the gift of utterance, knowledge. They have faith. That they excel in everything. But what was missing in this church, apart from their carnality, was the grace to give. The grace was missing. The grace of giving was missing in that church. So Paul had to send men ahead, Timothy ahead, or Titus ahead to go and prepare them. The Pope, verse 8, Pope went on to say this, verse 8. He said, I speak not by commandment, by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. Meaning that the test of your love for God is proven by your giving. 
Hallelujah. He is proven by your financial sacrifices. That is the test of your love for him. That is the test of your love for God. The test of your love for God is proven by the given grace. By the given grace. By the given grace. So no matter how much we lift up our hands to worship him, no matter how much we lift up our hands to give him to offer praises, we can only prove that is a reality when it is coupled with our giving. Other than that, it's incomplete. It's incomplete. I'll read this in new translations. Thank you, Jesus. I forgot the net that is lost, but I'm not able to reach it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you blessed this morning? Yes. 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 Thank you, Jesus. The given grace is what completes completes the love of God. The giving grace is what completes what? Your love for God. If you have not heard anything, take this home. No matter how you claim you love Him, you can only prove it by forgiving. You can only prove it by forgiving. No matter how much you claim you love God, the church in Corinthians, they are everything working for them except the giving grace. When it comes to faith, they have it. Miracles, signs and wonders, all the utterance, knowledge, they are everything. But what's the proof to validate your love? Give. He says you have excelled in everything, but excel in this giving grace. And that's one prayer for you. I want you to pray that this giving grace will come upon you in a greater damage. Because if not, two things are going to happen. You will hinder the flow of God's work here on earth. And you will lack a better place in heaven. Are you hearing me? Two things will happen. You will hinder the pastors, the leadership. They won't be able to do much. Their hands will be cut. They won't be able to serve missionary staff. They won't be able to reach the poor. They won't be able to do things that will affect Christianity in those communities, communities that are lacking, people that, you know, one of the things that is going on here, I've seen so many people doing it. Listen, most people are converting to other religions just because they show so much material love to them. I'm telling you, yeah. I, I, I won't mention names. But I've seen so many, so many religious bodies that are winning men into their camps because they have the financial means to do that. Yeah. Yeah. They have empowered their, their, their purpose with their money. That they can look at somebody that is suffering and change that person's life and say, because of that, I am not a Buddhist. Because of that, I am not a Muslim. Yeah. 
Because of that, I am now in this. Because of that, I am not this. Because when I was going through this, they came and did this. They came and did that. They did that. They did that. It's a gift to prove the sincerity of your love. Without the giving grace, there is no way the church will command authority here on earth. No. And the last days, this last day that we found ourselves in, multitudes will come to the kingdom of God through this giving grace. There are some you will preach to them that, hey, your soul is required of thee in hell. If you don't give your life to Christ, then you will give your life to Christ. But there are some you have to just give them material things. You have to show them physical, material love. And they say, because of that, I'll go to church. Mm. Mm. Yes. I'm telling you, it's not everybody you tell them about Jesus. Some of them, your kindness, then what the church will do. In this community, what the church will be able to do to change their lives and say, boy, you know what? These people are always here for us. This happened, they were there. This happened, they were there. They did this. Ah, let's go to them. I'm telling you the truth. So we can preach what we want to preach if we cannot demonstrate this act of giving and give to these people and reach out to them. We will not be much into the kingdom of God. That is not our portion in Jesus' name. I said that is not our portion in Jesus' name. Amen. We are willing to consecrate ourselves to the service of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Say, I am willing, I am willing to, consecrate to consecrate myself to the service of God. Service of God. I, am I am willing to give myself to the grace of giving in the name of Jesus Christ. I receive that grace. I receive the grace of giving. I receive the grace to give willingly. No struggles, no pain for us, but even willingly from my heart. Hallelujah. That is your point again. If there be a willing heart, if there be what? A willing heart. The willing heart then is the grace for giving. It's the grace for giving. And I release that grace upon you. I release that grace upon you. Amen. Receive that grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive the grace to give in Jesus' name. The grace to give like David, receive it. The grace to give like David, receive it. The grace to give like David, receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Amen. Thank you and thank you and thank you. Thank you, Lord. Somebody said, Pastor, I don't have much to give. I'm so this, I'm so that, I'm so that. You see, if you go back to that first uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. First Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. I'm just going to say this. The rest of the scriptures are already will pray and go home. There was a church there. Paul referenced that church to the Corinthians church. 
or the Macedonian church. Did you see that? First Corinthians chapter. Where were their state? What was their state? Can you tell me their state? Can you tell me their state? Read it. Uh huh. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. 